You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. We start today with Nick Saban has coronavirus. We will hear from Coach Saban, who is now stuck quarantining at his home. He says he's fine. He's completely asymptomatic. But his team will continue to prepare for their biggest game of the season so far. Also, the other big news coming from yesterday, LSU at Florida has been postponed. The second SEC game this week. Remember, Vanny Mizzou was postponed. Now LSU Florida pushed back. We will hear from Florida AD Scott Strickland as he tells us what to expect with this game being postponed. And we'll also catch up with Zach Goodall, host of Locked on Gators, covers the University of Florida for Sports Illustrated. He will stop by to discuss the ramifications of this postponement. And then lastly, some tidbits from around the conference as well as Greg McElroy's thoughts on the Georgia-Alabama game this Saturday. Still scheduled to be played with or without Nick Saban on the sidelines. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out five days a week. Well, the first big news of the day, Nick Saban, yesterday evening, it was announced he tested positive for COVID-19, along with Athletic Director Greg Byrne as well. Both guys were immediately sent out of the Alabama facility went to their homes to self-isolate after receiving that information. First off, Nick Saban talking with the media yesterday evening and talked about testing positive after they've been testing every single day. This was routine every day. We test our players every day. I get tested every day. Um, I feel fine. I felt fine. I was very surprised, you know, by this. And then we got the results back at 1 o'clock today. Nick also revealed Steve Sarkeesian is going to serve as Basically kind of interim coach body in his stead with the team. Saban's still the coach, but Sark will be the head coach in the game on Saturday. Uh, obviously, Sark has been a head coach before. Um, and uh, I'm not sure exactly how this is going to play out in terms of when the game comes, you know, whether I can have communication with people or not. So um, we'll, we'll have to research and sort of figure that one out. But we did have a plan for each coach on the staff as to what might happen. And we just got to go from there. Just like if we lose a player, we have to do the same thing. And Nick did clarify he is still going to be a part of all the game planning and game preparation leading up to game day. Nothing is changing other than he won't be in the building. I can do absolutely everything here that I do. I'll have the same exact routine. You know, the first thing I do on Thursday morning is watch the defense practice with the defense. Then we do two-minute and two-point plays. I Then I watch what we did against each other with the offense. Then I watch the offensive practice. Then I watch special teams. Then I usually do a little write-up for two-minute and two-point plays for the team. I'll do all those things exactly like I always do it. I'll watch practice today. I had the manager had a phone. If I wanted to play repeated, I said, repeat that play. So-and-so messed up. So, you know, I, I didn't leave the country or anything. I'm just right down the street, and we have this technology. So it's really unique. Now, I don't have any experience in that. I, so, but we're going to do the best we can to keep everything normal as possible. 
In case you're wondering what all those sound effects are, that's Nick Saban's cell phone basically blowing up with texts probably from former players, coworkers, friends, family, all saying, are you okay? We just read the headlines. Nick Saban says he's fine. I feel fine, so I'm not really concerned that much about my health, uh, but you never know. So that again, Nick Saban on how he is feeling. Now, the other big news from yesterday, the LSU at Florida football game for Saturday has officially been postponed due to positive tests and subsequent quarantining of individuals within the Florida program. The game has tentatively been rescheduled for December 12th in Gainesville. Now, that's that open week the SEC left between your season finale and then the SEC title game in Atlanta. You just wonder, should they have left more weeks in between there? You know, an extra two just in case. Let's hear a little bit from Florida AD Scott Strickland here was his opening statement yesterday, meeting with the media. Due to a significant number of COVID cases, we are unfortunately announcing a postponement of the Florida LSU game uh, that was scheduled for Saturday and uh, have worked with um, Scott Woodward, the athletic director at LSU, along with the, uh, the SEC office, Charlie Hussey, Mark Womack, and of course, Commissioner Sankey, uh, to tentatively have rescheduled that game for December 12th which, as you know, was a date put in the league schedule um, for, for circumstances like this because we anticipated there, there might be issues as we went through the season. A little bit more from Scott Strickland. He was asked about the positives and how many you have. Among our scholarship players, we have 18 current positives. We have another three walk-ons who are positive, so a total of 21 current team members. And when you add in those who are quarantined through contact tracing as a result of those positives, in addition to a handful of players who are on the non-COVID injury list, it it gives the Gators less than 50 scholarship players available currently. So um, certainly understand the importance of, of, of trying to have a team prepared and available if possible during this, this, uh, this odd season that we're all in. Uh, certainly that was our intention, but uh, we've, we've reached a point where we, we don't think it's appropriate that uh, we try to, play, to get, play the game this weekend. So there you go. That is the latest from Florida. We will not have Florida at LSU played this week. It's a big bummer uh, for fans of those fan bases. And the reality is for Florida's schedule now to finish up their season, it becomes they're going to play home against Kentucky on November 28th. They're going to play at Tennessee on December 5th. And then they're going to finish with LSU in Gainesville on December 12th. So that might actually be pretty cool out. That, In terms of when LSU normally goes to Gainesville, I know they're always hot and sweaty. Going in December may actually be a welcome addition for the Tigers. But for LSU, their schedule sets up with now they finish at Texas A&M on November 28th, home for Ole Miss and Matt Corral and the high-flying Lane Kiffin offense, and then you finish at Florida. It's a tough stretch for LSU to finish the season, but that's the reality of the situation. We know Vandy and Mizzou has already been postponed this weekend, and the question becomes, is this a one-week issue, or is this something that can linger for weeks, and this is just the start of games in the SEC being postponed? Uh, Ole Miss, if you missed this, said they are dealing with their first COVID issues since the start of the season. Lane Kiffin says if the Arkansas game was today, they would be able to play but there's another round of testing before the game. So, man, this is just uh, 
not the news you want to hear if you're an SEC football fan and you know less games happening this weekend. Uh, coming up in the next segment, we will talk all things about the Florida Gator- Gators and the latest with them with Zach Goodall, who covers the Gators, Locked on Gators. He hosts that podcast and uh, covers Florida for SI. We'll talk about that. And uh, also a little bit later in the show, we'll hear a little bit from Greg McElroy talking about the big game of the week in the SEC, because there are still some games to break down. There's not many. We're losing them by the minute, but uh, we will talk about Georgia at Alabama, which is the biggest game of the weekend. All right, coming up next, Zach Goodall. Look, let's face it. When you need something for your car, a lot of times we always feel like, oh, it's just easy. Let me just run to, to the chain store across town and go get what I need and walk up and down the aisles and then got people pestering me. Hey, can I help you find what you're looking for? And then half the time they don't even know where to find it. They got to go type it into the computer to find the part. Save yourself the hassle. Go to rockauto.com. They will find what you are looking for for your vehicle. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. RockAuto.com, the place to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything that you need. We talked about it before. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whatever you're looking to do, whether it's a new car, car, an old car, a classic, whatever you need for your car, RockAuto.com has all the parts available for your car or truck. When you go there, make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car is ever going to need save yourself the hassle rockauto.com locked on sec rolled along here and real excited to catch up with this guy host of locked on gators also uh covering the gators for sports illustrated he is zach goodall and he jumps in with us now Zach, uh, crazy news these last uh, 24 hours or so, but uh, the Florida Gators not going to be playing a football game against LSU this weekend. I guess uh, walk us through how we ended up here. That's correct. Their game against LSU this weekend has been postponed, tentatively rescheduled for December 12th when the SEC is trying to get anything uh but they need to reschedule at this point. They're trying to throw it in there. In Florida, you know, they're following in the footsteps of Vanderbilt. They, they've had been pretty good about COVID so far this year. They've had two flare-ups that were contained very quickly. Didn't end up bothering the football schedule. Rather, it bothered some other parts of their athletic department. But they've been doing pretty good. Uh, something must have happened. They say that they think it could have come from the trip to Texas A&M. However, there were some guys last week that uh, they apparently had some symptoms. They didn't report it. They thought they were allergies or something of the sort. And now, in hindsight, they're regretting not doing that. And in return, we just got off the phone with Scott Strickland a little bit ago. I believe he said it's 21 players are currently testing positive. 18 being scholarship athletes, three non-scholarship. Uh, they've had a lot of different people in quarantine. They've had two coaches test positive. It's just it's a mess. I mean, no one saw this coming as of Saturday right after the loss when Dan Mullen was talking about packing the swamp, but in hindsight, very, very bad optics to have comments like that. Yeah, it seems like you know the NFL is going through the same sort of thing, but they, they seem to have a little bit tighter of a protocol in that you know they test every day, you find out, you contact trace, you figure it out, and boom, you know the NFL is still able to work in these games. With the college, it doesn't seem like – you know, some schools are testing more often than the other ones. Some are not, and it just becomes 
a little bit tougher to deal with the whole thing. Um, I mean, rescheduling the game for the end of the season is one thing, but it seems like the SEC only left themselves enough leeway with that one week. If this happens again, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, overall thoughts on if this does happen again? Well, I think that was their biggest mistake is just not giving themselves enough time. They ended up pushing camp back, which made sense to watch how the NFL handled things with their fan operations, their team operations. You know, at the time, that definitely made a lot of sense, but they ended up not giving themselves much wiggle room for if something like this happened. And it, it was bound to happen. You know, I can't come out and say that the reason this happened is because Gators players were out at the bars in Gainesville. I've gotten. I've got no proof of that or anything, but I think we can all understand. They're college-age kids. They've been sheltered for six months. They just got their first home win of the season. You know, chances are maybe some of the kids are going to break. They might go out to the bars or even just to go and get a beer with their friends after the win. Bottom line is the SEC should have been preparing for that to happen for teams like Florida after a home win and for any team in the SEC for that matter. Just kids are going to break. They're kids. They're not paid. They're not... You know, they're not professional athletes that are able to contain themselves almost like a bubble at this point. And it's going to come back and bite the SEC if it keeps popping up. Um, If they do have to reschedule a game again down the road, Zach, I mean, with going all interconference, SEC on SEC, is it possible that they do maybe what the NFL has done with playing some midweek games? I mean, I know we have school and classes and we're all technically student athletes, so that's you know, obviously the first goal of being in college. But, I mean, could could you foresee a situation where we have maybe a Tuesday night SEC football game down the road? Well, sure thing. I mean, I don't want to say that that's something that will definitely happen, but I think it's a good idea. And like I said before, the SEC and Florida in particular were looking towards the NFL for a blueprint as to how they should handle it in case things ended up going for the worst. And with that being said, maybe we will get some midweek games. There's also the idea that with this game in particular, things have worked out pretty well. Uh, Florida and LSU have different bye weeks at this point. However, they could reschedule uh, LSU and Auburn's game to where Florida and LSU would play, uh, I believe, on Halloween, in which case Florida would end up playing. uh, They'd treat this week as their bye week and LSU would be moving their bye week around based on their Auburn game, in which case Florida could play LSU on Halloween and then go and play Georgia in uh, in Jacksonville on November 7th, and it's like there's very, very little disruption. <laughs> I think I kept up with you on all that, but that's that's the nature of if, they, you know, if you have to shuffle things around and move things around. I want to talk about how the schedule does set up for Florida now, though, to finish the season. Let's say they do break through and, you know, they beat Georgia head-to-head, in the SEC, but if Georgia, you know, maybe keeps winning, those last three games become so much more important for Florida if, if we're talking about trying to get to Atlanta. And when you talk about finishing with Kentucky at home, at Tennessee, and then coming back home with LSU to finish off the season, that just seems like a really tough last three games of the season to, to finish with. And it's absolutely going to test just whether or not this team is a conference contender or not. I mean, We've got to see what they can do against Georgia first. That's been the mantra for the past two years since Dan Mullen got here. But at the same time, this was the year that they were kind of expected to do it. With all the odds stacked against football this year, they came back with continuity across the coaching staff for the veteran quarterback that's coming in to start and lead the offense. Like This is the team that you generally would feel pretty confident in. And, I mean, 
they just got boat raced by Texas A&M. Uh, they just, the, the defense is not there as anyone expected it to be with veterans returning on every level. You figure that they'd be able to hold up with a team that scored 17 against Vanderbilt, but they're just not capable of doing it. And, you know, having this huge bump in the road like they're facing this week is bad enough. But at this point, like, you know, the odds are against them get, get, uh, putting the defense together and getting things, you know, back on a roll in a way that they could truly contend for the conference. And especially if they had to end the season like that, it would just it'd probably end up being pretty rough. Talking with uh, Zach Goodall, covers the Gators for SI and a uh, host of Locked On Gators. Uh, just your overall thoughts on what happened on Saturday in, to this Florida team, because it seems like you know the offense has been flying high and the defense was an issue. But that said, if Malik Davis doesn't put the ball on the ground, maybe we're talking about Florida going down and getting the game-winning field goal as opposed to A&M. And see, I understand where you're coming from there. I definitely make sense. And in hindsight, you know, in a vacuum – Malik Davis fumbling that ball it could have been the difference. And that's something that Dan Mullen has pointed to. It's something that Kyle Trask has pointed to, that they've had a couple of mistakes here or there on offense that have put them in worse situations than they need to be in. And this past week, including a loss. But we saw it against South Carolina, two mistakes that they made where they couldn't truly put their foot on the gas and put the game away. And Mullen and Trask, you know, they ended up saying in return to that, their goal is to score on every single drive that they play. And, you know, it came off as an excuse for the defense just not playing that well. It's not something that I'm really buying when Florida's scoring at the highest rate in college football. So, you know, I, I truly think it is the defense at this point. I think there's holes everywhere on it. I don't think they're really setting strong edges in the run game. The secondary is, for lack of a better word, Swiss cheese at this point. It just, it's just not really working out defensively for Todd Grantham. I, I did my SEC quarterback rankings this week. I still have Kyle Trask as my number one quarterback in the SEC. Obviously, he leads the conference in touchdown passes at 14 and you know, second in the nation, for that matter, in total touchdown passes. Curious where you would have him ranked. I mean, I know some people are making a case for Mac Jones. You know, Mac Corral's been really good at Ole Miss, but where would you rank Trask among all the SEC quarterbacks? Well, I haven't gotten a full list done yet, I'll tell you that, but I'd have them near the top, um, up there with Mac Jones, and I'm glad that you're also on the Mac Corral train because I've been really impressed with what I've seen out of him so far. But in terms of Trask, I'm just, you know, people were wondering how much could he improve as a guy that couldn't end up winning a starting job for, what, seven years? And I, I, I have seen improvements in his game from year one as a starter to year two, I think. No, he's not Lamar Jackson like Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator, joked about. But he does seem a little bit better with his legs in terms of moving around the pocket, making throws on the run, avoiding pressure. He's definitely gotten better with that, which has enhanced his decision-making a lot more. And at the end of the day, that was one of the things that Florida stressed all offseason is they wanted to see his decision-making get better. It's not perfect yet, but I've seen a lot of growth there. We're about a year or a decade removed from seeing Aaron Hernandez in the swamp, but is Kyle Pitts the best tight end you've ever seen at Florida? I'd say so. I mean, I'm a young guy. I've not been covering the team too long, so my perspective there might not be too great. But I'll tell you what, I've um, the way I got into doing sports media about five years ago, uh, I, I was covering the Jaguars. And covering the Jaguars had me covering the draft every year, like in October. So I would start looking at different prospects. Tight end was always a need, and they never really ended up seeming to take one, but I'd scout them out anyway just to figure out who was the ones with the most talented ones. And 
I've not seen a guy like Kyle Pitts before in my time evaluating the position. And I get it. He could be a better blocker than what he is right now, and at least in comparison to what the position truly traditionally looks like. But he is just a freak as a receiver. He's a guy that can run routes better than any tight end that you could find. He's just someone that knows how to get open with his athleticism, his physicality. And I would bet on him against pretty much any defender covering him in college football. Last thing for you, Zach. Uh, Florida's set to host Missouri a week from Saturday. Uh, what percent chance would you say that that game happens a week from now? 80%, uh, 60%? Where would you put it in your mind right now? Well, as of the time we're recording this, we just got off the phone with Strickland, and he had, um, he had bumped it up to 21 players from last night's count of 19. So the rate in which they're having positives pop up is slowing down, at least over the past couple of days, if you look at it from today. So, so far, so good. We'll, uh, we'll see if they can maintain that if over the next week. Yeah, this is uh, crazy. Of course, we're all in unprecedented times. Zach, I know you're very busy, uh, host of uh, Locked on Gators and uh, working over at uh, SI Covering the Gators. Let our listeners know where they can uh, find your work. You guys can find me on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, uh, as well as all of my work for Locked On. You can find at Locked On Gators and for Sports Illustrated at SI underscore All Gators. Zach, great stuff, man. Really appreciate the time. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot, Zach Goodall there covering the uh, Florida Gators for uh, SI.com and, of course, uh, Locked On Gators. We appreciate Zach coming on and talking with us. When we return, coming up next, we are going to hear from Greg McElroy with his thoughts on what was already the game of the week in the SEC and maybe the only game of the week in the SEC, Georgia and Alabama. Fingers crossed that no more postponements before Saturday. We'll discuss that next. A quick minute here for our friends at Built Bar. They are the best tasting protein bar ever. I know a lot of those protein bars out there you get at health stores. They look good, and once you open them, they have that gross, chalky taste, and you end up taking a couple bites and throwing them away. That is not the case with Built Bar. They have got 18 amazing flavors, including six new ones. My favorite, the cookies and cream. It is so good, you don't even realize what you're eating is actually good for you. You can grab one after a workout, or look, if you're just looking to lose or maintain your weight, try to get away from some of those fast foods, this could be a great option for you if you're looking to go down that path. Built Bars are low in calories, low in sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And just head to BuiltBar.com. You want to use the promo code Locked On, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. That's right, we said 20%. Got to make sure you use the promo code Locked On. BuiltBar.com, 20% off. You will get all the delicious-tasting Built Bars you could ever want at BuiltBar.com. Rockin' and rolling on Locked on SEC. Remember to subscribe if you haven't done so. Five days a week talking all things SEC and if you listen to us on iTunes or wherever, make sure you give us a five-star review so it uh, helps us uh, show up more at the top of your thing. If you're looking for SEC football talk, we'll be right there for you and your friends and family to find us. All right, let's hit on some of the uh, other SEC tidbits going on around the conference uh, before we hear from Greg McElroy breaking down Georgia and Alabama. Let's do it real quick. We'll go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. 
All right, first and foremost, we got some TV changes for this weekend because, well, we've had two postponements. So somebody's got to fill those time slots. Quick TV update. Television on SEC Network, 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern on Saturday will now be Ole Miss versus Arkansas. So that game getting a little bit of a change. And then number 11, Texas A&M versus Mississippi State. That game moves to ESPN, 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. So that one takes the LSU-Florida TV slot. So congrats to the Aggies. You get to be seen by more eyeballs and more sports bars around the country. And unfortunately for Mike Leach and the Bulldogs, they get to be seen by more eyeballs on their dissipating (laughs) offense that scored two points on a safety against Kentucky last week. Uh, Over in Georgia, one of the top prospects in the class of 2021 announced Wednesday he plans to attend the University of Georgia. Amarius Mims, a five-star offensive tackle committed to the Bulldogs over Alabama and Tennessee. Mims is Georgia's fourth offensive line commitment, 16th total commitment, and their second five-star commitment in the 2021 class. He's 6'7", 315 pounds from Cochran, Georgia. He's considered the number two offensive tackle in the 2021 class, according to 24-7 Sports. So, Georgia, man, real tough grind they have going over there, just rebuilding offensive lines every year with five-star talent. It's a big staple and a big reason why they're one of the best teams in the East every single year. Over in Auburn, in his first game with double-digit carries, Tank Bigsby did the following. He was Auburn's best running back, or was Auburn's best running back performance in two years. It was Auburn's best SEC performance by a true freshman running back in a decade. And college football's best tackle-breaking performance in nearly six years. Pretty impressive stuff from Tank Bigsby. And are we to assume he is now the featured back in Auburn? We shall see. Uh, Gus Malzahn also pointed out this week, there are ways they want to try to improve Bo Nix moving forward. He said we need to just be sound around him. We had a few breakdowns from time to time. But we're pleased with his progress. We think he's going to have a really good year. So we just got to try to get five guys in the same spot in practice, get a game under their belt as far as the offensive line goes. That has been a big issue there. So there you have it. Just a little bit from around the conference. Now let's hear a little bit from Paul Feinbaum's show. He had Greg McElroy on yesterday. And McElroy broke down the big game of the week in the SEC, Georgia and Alabama. Here's what Greg had to say. I'm really excited about it, Paul. I wish I could like do a, a, a PowerPoint clicker and like go to like a Brian Denny background or like a between the hedges background so we could just kind of scroll through it. But it, it's one of those situations where it's good versus good and that it's questionable against questionable. Uh, if you're in a position like this and you are, say, Alabama, you don't want your defense to get you beat. If you're in a situation like this and you're Georgia, You don't want your offense to put you so far behind the eight ball that it's going to be difficult to pull out a victory on the road. So I expect both these teams to play to their strengths. I completely expect that. And a lot of people have said, well, why doesn't Georgia, why don't they just implement tempo? Why don't they do what we just saw last week that led to a lot of problems defensively for Alabama? Because, Paul, a tiger can't change his stripes or a zebra can't change his stripes in six days. You just can't do it. Georgia has to be who they are. And right now, Georgia is a team that does a really good job of shortening the game, 
capitalizing on other teams' mistakes, creating momentum and pouring it on once they gain momentum, and then also doing a really good job of hitting three or four throws a game to keep the defense honest and keep them thinking about the potential of a big play downfield because Stetson Bennett has taken advantage of some opportunities on the outside off play action. Uh, they're a run-first football team that needs to try to challenge at the line of scrimmage, and Alabama was susceptible to giving up some big opportunities both through the air and on the ground last week. And then conversely, we know that Georgia's offense, or Georgia's defense, excuse me, uh, is elite, but Alabama's offense is also elite. It might be the best in the country against the best in the country. You could make a very clear argument. And if I were Alabama, I would try to continue to lean on the run game. I want to run the football as best as I possibly can because I know if I have success running the football with Najee Harris, that's going to force Georgia to at least bring a safety out of the down into the box to account for the run game, which could provide more one-on-one -on -one opportunities for me with my talented wide receiver core. And I think what's been fascinating about Alabama, and Texas A&M tried to do this a couple weeks ago. They said, hey, look, we're not going to let Waddle beat us. We're not going to let Devontae Smith beat us. We're not going to let Najee Harris beat us. But we will live if Mechie beats us. And guess what? Mechie beat him. So I think that's going to be a real interesting aspect of how Georgia tries to defend Alabama. Do they roll the dice and say, hey, on this play, we're going to try to take away Devontae Smith, but we'll let you have Waddle? Or do they try to double cover both? Do they try to kind of mix their attention throughout the course of the game to kind of keep Mac Jones guessing and off balance or where they might structure their defense? But I think it really starts at the line of scrimmage in games like this. That's where games like this are always won and lost. And I fully expect both teams to try to come out and impose their will in the run game before opening it up with the pass. And right now, based on what I've seen offensively from Alabama, I think it's going to be really difficult to slow them down given the strength that they have both on the line of scrimmage and at wide receiver. There you have it. That's Greg McElroy breaking down the Georgia-Alabama game. I, I have not picked which way I'm leaning on that one yet. I'm going to have to make a pick by tomorrow's show as we will break down all the games in the SEC this weekend. Gosh, we may, we may have we may have to spend each segment breaking down a game. There's so few games now. Two of them postponed. But hey, we'll get through it, SEC fans. Here's hoping for positivity not positive tests positivity moving forward and hopefully no more postponed games and hopefully we get rid of the stamp virus in our country sooner rather than later that's it for me chris gordy we'll talk to you guys tomorrow 